Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith, and I'm coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith, coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, controversial pastor Carl Lentz is back in the pulpit three years after a scandal that forced him out at Hillsong. And popular apologist John Ankerberg is facing accusations by a whistleblower that he took money that donors thought was going to pay for audio Bibles, but used that money for other purposes. We begin today with the story that has horrified the entire nation this week, the story of a shooting at a Christian school in Nashville. A community is indeed reeling after a shooter killed three children and three staff members at a Christian school in Nashville on Monday. Metro Nashville police are getting high marks for the way it responded to this mass murder. Police received calls about an active shooter at 10.13 a.m. Nashville time, and by 10.27, just 14 minutes later, the shooter was deceased. That, according to body cam footage and a police spokesman. But not before six victims lost their lives. Three of the victims were pupils, all age nine, at Covenant School, which is a privately run Christian school affiliated with Covenant Presbyterian Church, a Presbyterian Church in America congregation. The students were identified as Evelyn Deakhouse, Hallie Scruggs, who was also the daughter of the pastor of the church, and William Kenny. The adult victims were employees and named as Cynthia Peak, 61 years of age, Catherine Coons, 60, and Mike Hill, 61. Coons was the head of school, uh, Hill was a custodian at the school, and Peak was a substitute teacher. The shooter has been identified as 28-year-old Audrey Hale. A police spokesman said that Hale is a biological woman who, at, on social media profiles, used male pronouns. Police are calling the shooting a targeted attack, saying that Hale, who they believe was a former student at the school, and in fact that was later confirmed that she was, may have been motivated by resentment towards the school. Police found maps and surveillance materials in Hales' belongings, as well as writings, what some media reports, in fact, have called a manifesto. Covenant School is a private Christian school in Nashville with students enrolled in preschool through sixth grade. It was founded in 2001 as a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church. On a normal class day, there would be about 209 students and 42 staff members on campus. This incident has, of course, made national news, Natasha, and I doubt anyone listening to us today hasn't already heard about it. I want to add that this story had a few twists and turns that we don't normally see, twists that point to the strange cultural moment in which we find ourselves. For one thing, early news reports were confused about how to identify the shooter. Was the shooter a he 
or a she. The initial reports that the shooter was a woman, in fact, turned out to be accurate. Secondly, this shooting took place in a Christian school, a place that up until now has been mostly immune from incidents of this kind. Uh, This is obviously no longer the case. That fact has caused Christian schools around the country to revisit their security measures and their ability to respond to similar situations. Uh, By the way, uh, I've got a lot more to say about this story, but because we try to stick mostly to the news here on our Friday podcast and save opinion for other places, I'm going to just add that um, I'll be talking more about these ideas in my editor's notebook, which we'll be posting late Friday. Be sure to check that out. Our next story recounts the latest chapter in the story of Carl Lentz, the disgraced former pastor of Hillsong Church. Carl Lentz uh, was ousted from Hillsong, New York City, uh, almost three years ago now. He's landed on the staff of Transformation Church, a predominantly black, non-denominational megachurch in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is led by pastor, author, and popular YouTuber Michael Todd. Lentz was fired from Hillsong in 2020 when an extramarital affair came to light. Lentz and his family had already relocated to Tulsa and said that they were attending Transformation Church. Lentz had launched a consulting and coaching business, and his clients did include some churches. A source close to Carl Lentz said that Tulsa was the right place for Lentz's family to, in this source's words, continue to heal and move forward. Lentz, who is 44 years of age, was once labeled a hype priest, not a high priest, but a hype priest by GQ magazine because of his fashionable attire and ministry to NBA players and celebrities such as Justin Bieber. But he's been mostly silent since his firing, even as rumors and ongoing accusations have dogged him and his former church. Tammy McWhorters is the executive pastor of Transformation Church, and she said this about uh, Carl Lentz's restoration process. After two years of Carl being in his own discovery and healing process, he has shown readiness to use his God-given gifts towards the local church again. We believe in Carl, his marriage, his skill set, and his restoration. Tammy McWhorter said that the church's vision is to represent represent God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. Uh, that includes restoration, she said. The two go hand in hand, pointing to scripture from the book of Galatians that includes a message to restore one another after sins, mistakes, and repentance. And she added this as a final statement, we are called to be a safe environment for people to evolve and transform. Transformation Church was founded in 1999 in the historically Black Greenwood District of Tulsa, home of the city's 1921 race massacre. Now meets in the nearby suburb of Bixby at the 4,500-seat Spirit Bank Event Center, which the church owns. 
The arena was purchased by Transformation Church in 2019 for a little over $10 million, uh, was among nearly $67 million in real estate properties that the church has acquired in the area over the past four years. Since the Carlin story is a part of Hillsong's story, let's take a quick look at one more story before the break, and it's also one that involves Hillsong. That's right. Scandal continues to plague uh, the life of former Hillsong pastor Brian Houston, as he admitted on Tuesday of this week, March 28th, that he was charged with driving under the influence of alcohol over a year ago in February of 2022 while he was in the United States. Houston was arrested on February 26, 2022 in Newport Beach, California, which is an exclusive oceanside community just south of Los Angeles, while allegedly driving with a blood alcohol content of 0.08% or more and failing to display two license plates on the vehicle he was driving, which is required in the state of California. In August of 2021, charges were brought against Houston for allegedly covering up the child sex abuse of his late father, Pastor Frank Houston. And the next month, Houston stepped down from his roles on the church's boards to focus on defending himself in court. In January 2022, Houston announced that he would be taking a year-long sabbatical from pastoral leadership at Hillsong for the same reason. It was later revealed by the Hillsong Global Board that uh, Brian Houston's sabbatical was also the result of disciplinary action for two instances within the span of a decade in which Houston acted inappropriately towards women, as well as for abuse of alcohol and prescription anxiety medication. After the Global Board publicly disclosed Houston's alleged moral failures, Houston resigned as the global senior pastor. That happened a year ago in March of 2022. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll have the story of John Ankerberg that we promised at the top of the show. He's raised $20 million by promising to send audio Bibles to remote parts of the world. But where did the money go? I'm Natasha Smith. Along with my co-host, Warren Smith, we'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, before we get to the John Ankerberg show, we're going to start with a story out of Abilene Christian University in Texas. 
Last week, authorities arrested an Abilene Christian University professor for sexually abusing his adoptive children. On March 22nd, police arrested Charles Wadlington on a warrant for sexual abuse of a child. Wadlington and his wife, Mary, have adopted three children all under the age of 18. Wadlington is an associate professor in the Department of Psychology at Abilene Christian University in Texas. According to court documents in March of 2023, in other words, just earlier this month, a child came forward to police and said that Wadlington, her adoptive father, had sexually assaulted her and her sister and claimed that he might have harmed their brother as well. According to these documents, Wadlington is said to have bribed the older daughter with cash, driving lessons, and shopping to keep her from reporting the abuse. A representative from ACU told Ministry Watch they suspended Wadlington indefinitely and published a story detailing accusations against Wadlington the day after his arrest in the university's paper, The Optimist. Wadlington remained overnight in the Taylor County Jail uh, and on a $75,000 bond. Authorities released him, though, the next day on March 23rd. A Taylor County District clerk told Ministry Watch that the case is in the pre-indictment stage. It is awaiting the verdict of a grand jury to determine whether the accusations are of probable cause, and this investigation is ongoing. A suspect has been arrested for another attack against a pro-life pregnancy help center in upstate New York. Hannah Kamke, 39 years old, was arrested on Saturday, March 25th, by the Amherst Police Department. She was charged with one count of criminal mischief for spray-painting a sign at the Amherst Compass Care location on March the 16th. The felony charge carries a mandatory sentence of one to five years under New York state law. The FBI assisted local police with this investigation. According to a statement by Compassion Care, the act of defacing its exterior sign with the red spray-painted letters, liars, was caught on the pregnancy center's video surveillance equipment. Compass Care has been operating since 1980, more than 40 years, to minister to women in crisis pregnancies. The Buffalo location suffered a firebombing in June of 2022 after the leak of the Dobbs decision reversing Roe versus Wade. It incurred about $500,000 worth of damage due to that violence. Well, our next story is the one we promised at the top of the show. It involves the popular apologist who's been accused by a whistleblower of raising money to send Bibles to unreached people groups, but has instead used the money for other purposes. Over the past decade, the John Ankerberg Institute for Theological Research has raised about $20 million for audio Bibles on its flagship program, The John Ankerberg Show. But according to John and Darlene Ankerberg themselves, uh, they've spent only about 20% of that $20 million, or about $4 million, on the audio Bibles themselves. Questions about the Ankerberg's use of funds surfaced late last year when Andrew Yeager, the former director of donor relations for the Institute, filed a whistleblower complaint with the Institute. Yeager has since shared that complaint both with the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability and with Ministry Watch. 
Jake Lapp is the vice president of member accountability for the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, ECFA, and he confirmed to Ministry Watch via email that there is a compliance review in process. He did not say when the review would be complete, though. In his whistleblower complaint, Andrew Yeager claimed that Ankerberg had raised more than $16 million since 2016 for audio Bibles. On the John Ankerberg show, Ankerberg promised to work with an Albuquerque-based ministry called Faith Comes by Hearing to distribute audio Bibles to unreached people groups and others all around the world. Yeager claimed that less than $3 million went to Faith Comes by Hearing during the time during that time period. Yeager says that much of the money has either stayed in the organization to fund the Yeager's use of private jets or simply to build the coffers of the organization. The Ankerbergs dispute Jaeger's story, but only in the details. In an interview with Ministry Watch, John and Darlene Ankerberg said the relationship with Faith Comes By Hearing actually began in 2013, not in 2016. They say their ministry has taken in about $20 million for audio Bibles, not the $6 million uh, asserted by Jaeger. They acknowledge that about 20% of the money ended up going to Faith Comes by Hearing, or about $4 million. The Ankerbergs also said that they fully disclosed to donors that not all of the money that they take in will go to audio Bibles. Darlene Ankerberg said this, the people know that and they understand what we're doing. Warren, all of this raises the obvious question. I mean, if the money didn't go for Bibles, where did all those millions of dollars go? Well, the Ankerbergs say the cost of producing the ministry's television program took most of the money. They also said buying time from television stations and networks to air the program is expensive. Jaeger, however, claims that some of the money stayed in the bank accounts of the Ankerbergs organization, paid for significant studio and facility upgrades that had little to do with the audio Bible programs, and paid for luxury travel for the Ankerbergs. He claims the Ankerbergs have spent a million dollars with the charter service NetJets and that the organization failed to disclose the use of these jets in its 2021 Form 990. And the Ankerbergs acknowledge that they use NetJets. They do. However, John Ankerberg said that Jaeger's $1 million figure was false. He said that the true cost was about half that, or of course a half a million dollars, but he didn't deny that they flew around in charter jets. Uh, Darlene Ankerberg said that the failure to disclose the use of charter aircraft was an administrative mistake made by the ministry's outside accounting firm, and that mistake would be corrected. John Ankerberg said in an interview that they had not kept the money, that the money is not something that we have, that's a direct quote from him, and we're building buildings with it. We are actually paying for airtime. But a review of the Institute Form 990s over the past decade plus shows that the organization has grown flush with cash. It has. In 2016, the Institute had about $3.5 million in annual revenue, but in 2021, it topped $9 million. That's nearly a threefold increase, about 250% increase. Its assets has grown dramatically as well um, during this 
period of time when the Ankerbergs were raising money supposedly for the audio babbles. Uh, by 2021, according to the Form 990 for that year, assets topped $7.2 million. Almost $4 million of that was in cash. Again, and you're tripling over 2016 levels. Orrin, you said a few minutes ago that Darlene Ankerberg said that the people know where the money's going, but at least one significant donor said he did not, and he has now had enough. That's right. I spoke uh, myself with Charles Darnell, and he said that he's given more than $30,000 to the John Ankerberg show. Uh, the money that he thought was going to purchase audio Bibles. He told Ministry Watch that he became interested in audio Bibles because he has two nieces who are missionaries and had learned how helpful audio Bibles can be to help spread the gospel. But he said that he was aghast, that's his word, at how little money he had given to the Anchorbergs actually went to the audio Bibles. Uh, Charles Darnell said, told me this, if he was taking 20%, I would have said, well, he that's cool, but he takes 80%. In a letter uh, to Ankerberg, Charles Darnell said that he felt very sad for you and the people who work for you. He concluded his letter with this, I respectfully request a refund of my $10,000 donation at the beginning of this year and also the removal of my name from your mailing list. Well, in our next story, a former church finance director for Lakeside Baptist Church was indicted by a Texas grand jury for theft of property from the church over a four-year period. The woman's name is Donna Corey Drake. She was accused of stealing property worth between $30,000 and $150,000, which is a third-degree felony. However, because it was committed against a nonprofit organization, Texas law increases that crime to a second-degree felony. If she's convicted, Drake could serve a prison term of between 2 and 20 years. She's been released on a $10,000 bond. According to her LinkedIn profile, Drake served as the church's finance director and as the children's ministry director since 2003. Lakeside Baptist Church is located in the small East Texas town of Canton, uh, and uh, the church confirmed to a local television station there that Drake is no longer employed. The money was allegedly stolen from the church uh, between October of 2018 and September 15th of last year. So, uh, church embezzlement is a worldwide problem, which is one of the reasons we report on it so much here at Ministry Watch. Todd Johnson, co-director of the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, estimates that uh, the problem could rise to cost as much as $170 billion by the year 2050 if current trends continue. And we're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. 
For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Controversial Pastor Greg Locke was sued this week by the Wilson County government in Tennessee for zoning violations and excessive noise complaints against his Global Vision Bible Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. The lawsuit was filed by Director of Wilson County Development Services, Tom Brashear, and states that the property owned by Global Vision Bible Church has a history of numerous complaints, some of which are related to zoning violations and others about noise. There's a new development, perhaps a final chapter in a story of a school of theology whose leaders have pled guilty to fraud. That school is the Apex School of Theology. It recently sold its campus uh, in eastern North Carolina, in Durham area, actually, to the Goodwill Industries of eastern North Carolina for about four and a quarter million dollars. Five people associated with the Apex School of Theology pleaded guilty late last year to fraudulently obtaining federal financial aid funds, setting up bogus satellite campuses of the school in Columbus, Georgia, and enrolling individuals who agreed to pose as students. Then, using $12 million in government aid intended for the students for personal expenses. Who's in Christina Darnell's Ministries Making a Difference column? A couple that I'd like to highlight. One is Mothers Against Poverty. Uh, They run a program uh, called Nema Village in East Africa that helps mothers stay or reunite with their children by providing jobs and skills training, such as sewing and how to use a computer. Nema Village serves more than 60 children on a 10-acre campus with the goal of reuniting uh, them with family members or connecting them with an adoptive family. The village is supported by the Churches of Christ. I'd also like to mention the Slavic Gospel Association. They're shipping solar-powered battery systems to church partners in Ukraine as the country's war with Russia drags on and it remains vulnerable to constant attack on its power grid. Churches can use these units to provide a place for people to charge their cell phones and stay connected. Uh, SGA, the Slavic Gospel Association, has also distributed cast iron stoves, blankets, generators, and food for Ukrainians affected by the war. And Natasha, by the way, this week I was in Chicago for the annual meeting of the Christian Leadership Alliance, and I got to meet the president of the Slavic Gospel Association. His name is Michael Johnson, and he had representatives from Ukraine that he introduced me to. And I can tell you that without exception, after they met me and you know greeted me warmly, they said, pray for Ukraine. That, that was the sort of the refrain that I heard this week from these leaders of the Slavic Gospel Association who were serving faithfully in that very difficult environment. By the way, the Slavic Gospel Association has a one-star rating from Ministry Watch, a C transparency grade, and a donor confidence score of 877. Uh, none of these are our top scores, but they do mean that you can give with confidence. 
Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, I want our listeners to know that today, Friday, as we release this episode, um, they can give uh, to Ministry Watch and receive a copy of my book, Faith-Based Fraud, Learning from the Great Religious Scandals of Our Time. Now, I mentioned today because today's the last day. Uh, It's our thank you for a donation of any size during the month of March only. Uh, So if you want uh, to receive a copy of Faith-Based Fraud as our thank you gift for your gift to us, uh, you got to do that today. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Jesse Jackson, Roxanne Stone, Jessica Adiralde, Kim Roberts, Ann Stike, Christina Darnell, Eric Obernur, Dale Chamberlain, Aaron Earls, and you Warren. Special thanks to Nonprofit Times, ChurchLeaders.com, and Lifeway Research for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.